The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that our collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together as an organism, going as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, and transcend the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
bát nhã ba la mật nghệ đa bồ tát quan tự tại bi quan chiếu tâm sau bát nhã ba la mật tương diệu phan chi độ bổng soi đây năm bốn điều công có tự thân thường chứng điều ấy xong ngày bước thoáng thân cả mọi khổ đau anh nam nghe đây xa lời tự sáng chẳng tham gì không công Hãy không 
morning dear sangha i think this uh, table is strong enough for a small buddha to sit on i invite one small buddha to come and sit here and replace thai pháp niệm may propose uh, one child Tôi pháp niệm đâu rồi? Có em nào lên ngồi đây đem đi bình bông đi chỗ khác? Tôi pháp ứng thì như các em trai nào sống thường đó, lên ngồi đây. bring your cushion phải Just sit. <laughs> Put it down. Just enjoy sitting and breathing. Put it down. <clears throat> He is a flower. He replaces the flower. This morning we have a session of questions and answers. Sit beautifully like a Buddha. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> a lotus for you, a Buddha, to be now. So. Uh, The children will have uh, a chance to ask their questions first. There will be maybe three or four questions asked by children. And then the time uh, that follows is for teenagers, young adults, and adults. And those of you who have a question are invited to come and sit around here close to Thay, and we will take turn to sit on that chair in order to ask our question. We know that uh, a good question can benefit many people. Therefore, we should uh, ask uh, only the question of our heart. A question that has to do with our suffering, our happiness, our practice, not a speculation. This is uh, this retreat is not a course on Buddhism. It is uh, 
sense for us to practice uh, transforming and healing. So uh, the question should be on that has to do with uh, should have to do with uh, transformation and healing. And uh, we know that a good question does not have to be very long. It's not a statement. There are a few questions that have been written down. And Sister Pine will, from time to time, read from one of these questions. There is one question from Oprah Magazine, right? <laughs> and um, if you are too shy to come up here, you may like to write our question down on a piece of paper and ask someone to bring it up here to Sister Pine. You can ask the question in uh, French. Uh, English or Vietnamese and Sister Pine will translate for you. <laughs> and if you speak a, a, a language that you don't understand, you should bring your own um, translator. <laughs> know that in uh, summer, in the summer opening, uh, there are many uh, friends who come from many uh, countries. At the end of the of extra summer opening, we count more than 50 nationalities. So if you, uh, uh, if, uh, you want to ask a question uh, with your language, uh, you might like to bring your own translator. The Buddha has a question to ask also. <laughs> so first, be a Buddha. And later on, you will be a questioner. So those of us, including children, who have a good question, you are invited to come and sit around here with us. This is a happy moment. Teenagers, young adults, and less young adults. I know that many of us are shy, but Thay is also very shy. So don't, don't mind. Before we ask the question, uh, we breathe in and out together with the sound of the bell. And we are calmer in order to ask our question.
The Sangha, this is the first question. How are you? <laughs> I am like this. You can see. Happy. Calm enough. Happy enough. Happy enough for what? Can you say it again? Happy enough for what? Happy enough for what? For being there. For being there in the here and the now. This is a good question. Eh? Thank you. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> you know, adult cannot ask questions like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful question. How are you? It's a real question. Est-ce que des fois j'ai l'impression que tout le monde est contre moi That is only a, a feeling. That is only a feeling. C'est seulement une sensation. Assiste ton nom va traduire pour toi. And uh, that feeling may be born from uh, is born on uh, a wrong perception. Uh, we imagine that people Uh, don't like you, against you. But the fact may be the opposite. The, the fact may be that everyone like you and see you as a beautiful uh, flower in the garden of humanity. So uh, if we if we are uh, her friends. And we should uh, say it aloud that I like you, I love you. Uh, you are a beautiful uh, flower. But um, something can be done about this. Why waiting for the people to express themselves that they? They do not dislike you, they like you. You have to learn to, to like yourself. You, learn, you have to learn how to love yourself. This is very important. To accept yourself. In order to accept uh, yourself, you have to practice. 
And this is not only true with uh, young people, but also for old people. Sometimes we don't like ourselves. We don't think that we are good enough. But in fact, uh, there are many good things in us. There are many good things that have been transmitted to us by our parents, our ancestors. And we may have not seen them. And that is why we may have a complex of inferiority. Our ancestors, uh, among our ancestors, there are those who are very talented, who have great virtues like um, beauty, understanding, compassion. And they have transmitted to us uh, the seeds of uh, beauty, uh, understanding, love, forgiveness. And we have them. But we don't know that we have them. So when you practice breathing in and out, mindfully you might recognize these seeds in you because uh, you know that you are capable of understanding of uh, forgiving, of being happy. And if you recognize uh, these good things in you, you don't have uh, the complex anymore. And uh, you can accept yourself, and you can love yourself. Uh, In the teaching of the Buddha, it is said that everyone has uh, the capacity to love and to understand. Uh, everyone uh, has uh, the Buddha nature in himself or herself. And Buddha nature is something very beautiful. And you have it in yourself. So if you believe, you see that, and then you accept yourself easily. And you know that you can help people to suffer less. When another person uh, is unhappy, uh, you can very well do something or say something and to make him or her suffer less. You have that capacity. And you have done it in the past. You have helped one person, one child to suffer less. When you see someone uh, get hurt, you can come and help uh, that person uh, to feel better. And that is uh, the Buddha nature in you. And if you see the Buddha nature in you, uh, you can see the beauty, the stability, the freshness in you. And then you can accept yourself. You can love yourself. It's very important to accept oneself, to love oneself. If you don't accept yourself, you don't love yourself, how can you expect other people to do so? And that is why to accept oneself is very important. And Thay has practiced. And Thay has been able to accept himself. So he has a lot of peace and joy because he is able, he was able to accept himself and like himself? That is a good question that has helped many of us. Thank you for asking the question.
Pourquoi parfois je pleure sans raison Why do I sometimes cry for no reason mm, There is some reason, but we have not uh, seen it. Uh, as uh, they has said before, that sometimes uh, um, the sorrow, uh, the sadness uh, of, uh, of our parents have been transmitted to you, and you have maybe you have the sorrow, the sadness in you. You have not created that sadness, that sorrow. But maybe one of your ancestors, one of your parents, uh, did not know how to transform that sorrow, that sadness. That is why it's still there in you. <clears throat> so one day if you feel sadness and if you don't know what is the cause of that sadness and you cry, uh, you might like to breathe in mindfully and get in touch with your parents, get in touch with your ancestors who are in you. And you say, dear parents, dear ancestors, this is your sorrow, your sadness. And I'm crying in order to help you to suffer less in me. And if, uh, if you practice like that, every time you feel sad and you cry and you don't know uh, why and how, and you can practice breathing in and out and recognize that sadness is in you and smile to it. And that way you help yourself and you help your parents and your ancestors. And this is a very simple practice, but it has a great effect to smile to your sadness. And I have seen, I have seen people who are crying and smiling at the same time. They are smiling to their own sadness. And this is a very wonderful. It's like a, a positive energy is uh, taking care of a negative energy. This is like a, a brother uh, uh, taking care of a sister. Or a brother is taking care of a sister. Your, your compassion, your joy is the big brother. Your sadness, your sorrow is your younger sister. And uh, the big brother is taking care of the young sister. And this is a very beautiful practice. And not only um, uh, when uh, we are sad, we cry, we can do like that. But also when we are angry. Anger, anger is a young brother. Younger brother. And when we get angry, we should know how to smile to our anger. Smiling to your anger is a very beautiful practice. And uh, and uh, and uh, if you can do that, you win. You get a victory. Uh, this uh, has. Uh, 
to do with uh, the question sent to us by Oprah Magazine. Sister Tung Yem will read. Dutai, Oprah Magazine is asking, how can we let go of anger? Whether it's directed at family members or someone who's wronged us in the past, it's easy to let anger consume us. So how can we move past it and move on in our lives? It's not quite the same as forgiving and forgetting, but just letting go of any anger we hold. Well, Oprah Magazine is speaking about uh, the anger uh, uh, vis-à-vis the members of the family, uh, someone who has wronged us in the past. And uh, they want to know whether there is anything you can do in order to, to transform that anger, to let go of that anger. And uh, forgiving mm, does not seem to be enough. But this is a very important. Uh, and I think the first thing we do when uh, anger is about to come up is to go back to our breath and breathe in mindfully. Because anger is like a storm. It comes. It, it has, uh, it, uh, there are symptoms. Yeah. We, feel, we feel that anger is coming up. It's coming up from down there, in the bottom of our consciousness. So when, when the storm is about to break out, we know. We feel sign of the storm. So you have to prepare in order to be able to to resist or to deal with the storm. So when anger is about to come up, <clears throat> it might take uh, two or three seconds to come up. So during that time, we have enough uh, okay, occasion in order to go back to our breathing and breathe in and. Uh, Instead of focusing ourselves, our mind on anger, we focus our mind on our breath. We are not afraid of anger because we know how to handle our anger. And to deal with anger, first of all, we have to breathe in and focus our attention on our in-breath. <clears throat> when we focus our attention on our in-breath, uh, we bring our mind home to our body. We are truly there. We are strong enough to take care of ourselves. And then we may look at the person whom we think that uh, to be the cause of our anger whether that person is a member of our family or that person uh, who is uh, someone that has uh, done us uh, a lot of injustice. And with that kind of mindfulness of breathing inside, we can look and see 
look at the other person and see. And what we see is that there is suffering in him or in her. That person is not happy. That, peace, that person is, uh, has violence in him or in her. That person has wrong perceptions in him or in her. And breathing in mindfully and looking at him or her, we can see. We can see that. We can see the wrong perception in him or her. We can see the suffering in him or her. We can see the violence in him or her. And we can see that that person is not beautiful. When she acts violently and she says things that are not kind, And uh, looking like that, at the same time, we, we, we see that we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be victim of anger and violence. We want only to be a flower. So looking at him, at her, we see the suffering, we see the lack of beauty. And looking at ourselves, we know that we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be possessed by anger and wrong perceptions. We want to be a flower, fresh. So that one in-breath, taking in mindfulness, can already help us to see things more clearly. And when you see things clearly, anger cannot take hold of you. And you are motivated by the desire to say something nice to do something nice to help that person to suffer less. It means that you have been able to create compassion in you. Compassion is a kind of energy that can make us stop suffering right away. Compassion is the nectar of uh, peace and happiness. And compassion is born when you see the suffering in him, in her. And you want to, to help him or her. And every one of us is capable of doing so. Suppose um, we think that the other person does not like us. The, the, other, uh, 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 the other person is trying to do harm to us. And that may be a wrong perception. The other person may not have that idea, that intention to harm you, to destroy you. But you still think that they have. But if you have that wrong perception, you'll be angry. You want to punish him. You want to harm him before he can harm you. And that is why a wrong perception is something that can make a person violent, angry. The wrong perception that is something that can bring anger and fear. That is the case of many terrorists. They have many wrong perceptions. They believe that the other people are trying to destroy them. As a religion, 
as a way of life, as a culture, as a nation. Why? The fact is that they don't, they don't have that, that intention at all. So if you believe that someone is trying to kill you, to destroy you as a religion, as a, a culture, as a civilization, you get very angry at him and you want to destroy them before they destroy you. And that is the case of many terrorists. So if you look at the terrorists in that way, you feel that he is victim of wrong perceptions. He is victim of uh, violence and anger. And you don't want to punish him or kill him anymore. You want to do something to help remove the wrong perception in him. And there are ways to do that, like a compassionate listening, a loving speech. Compassionate listening and loving speech can help a person to remove wrong perceptions. And that is the best way to deal with terrorism. You cannot remove terrorism with the bombs and the guns. You have to remove terrorism with loving speech and deep listening to help people to to remove wrong perceptions. And that is why breathing in and look deeply to see that the other person is a victim of wrong perception, of violence, of suffering, that makes your compassion arise. And when compassion arises, anger is transformed. Anger is deleted. You don't suffer. Instead, you want to help him to help her. Whether that is a member of your family or someone that has made you suffer because of his or her wrong perceptions and suffering. And in a few days, you can practice. <coughs> Sitting alone or walking alone, we can think of the person who has made us suffer. And looking deeply, we can see the suffering in him or in her. The wrong perception that uh, he he has, she has. And after having seen that, you are motivated by the desire to go back to him or her and try to help him or her to remove that kind of uh, wrong perceptions, violence and anger to make him or her suffer less. And if you have that intention, it means that compassion is already born in your heart. And compassion, when compassion is there, anger is no longer there. This is uh, my question for Oprah Magazine and the readers of Oprah Magazine. You think that's good enough? (laughs) Thank you for asking the question. This is the fourth question. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, what should one do when a teacher makes fun of you in front of the whole class? and your class laughs about you. Hmm. 
very difficult. <laughs> I think the best way is to laugh along. <laughs> to laugh with the whole class. <laughs> to join the class and laughing. That's the most beautiful thing to do in that occasion. Because uh, some, sometime, uh, sometime uh, something is not, uh, is not funny, but people be, believe to be funny. There's a wrong perception. And uh, you know a teacher. Maybe you will grow up and become a teacher. So we should prepare ourselves and not to do like that. <laughs> Teachers need time to grow into a good teacher. It's not because you are graduated from teacher college, teacher's college that you can be a good teacher right away. Uh, so teachers can make mistakes, and Thay also made mistakes uh, as a young teacher, and he still make mistakes. And but he learned every day being a teacher, and he has learned so many, so much from his own own students. So uh, not only teachers, but everyone should not make fun of. Uh, someone uh, because they will go suffering. Sometimes uh, it is not the intention to make you suffer, but because uh, that person lacks uh, some skillfulness. He may talk about the same thing, but will not hurt you. A skillful, skillful speech. Even when he like to, uh, he want to teach you, he can teach you in such a way that does not make you hurt, and that is something we have to learn. Teacher or not, we say the same thing, but the way we say will not hurt hurt people. And he has learned about that. He has many students, <laughs> and sometimes he want to to help uh, his students to, to transform. And he has learned to be very careful. Sometimes uh, he can tell the disciple directly. Sometimes he has to help uh, a big brother, a young sister, to tell him instead of telling him directly. Sometimes he can say it right away today. Sometimes he has to wait for a few weeks and to tell later. You have to choose the time and the place to tell. And you may tell him in front of uh, a group or privately. You have to select. And you learn that uh, through the process of being a teacher. So your teacher may not be very skillful now, but maybe he doesn't have the intention to hurt. So you should help your teacher. After the event, 
you may like to come uh, to your teacher and say, my dear teacher, I, I hope uh, next time you will not do like that because I suffer. Uh, when you make fun of me and the class, I get hurt. Uh, so I hope that next time you will not do it uh, to me or to another student of, of yours. And you help your teacher. You not, do not reproach him or her. You help her. So you use compassion and love in order to respond to something uh, not kind that uh, the other person has done to you. You are a good practitioner. And uh, everyone can make that kind of mistake, also Thai in the past. So you yourself and all of us have to learn. And that is um, uh, the fourth mindfulness training. <coughs> Learning to speak in such a way that you, help, you can tell the truth and help the other person and not to, to hurt him or her. This is a wonderful practice. The fourth mindfulness training. The last question for children, the fifth one. And after that, these children can go out and play. Je le ressens comme euh, une boule euh, qui pèse euh, lourd dans mon euh, cœur. Why do I sometimes feel as if there's a, a great heavy ball weighing down on my heart? The practice of mindfulness uh, may help us to find out when uh, why that feeling um, comes. Again, sometime, uh, sometime uh, something has been transmitted to you by your mother, your father, your ancestors. Um, some sorrow, some fear, some worries. And it's good that uh, that he has encountered the practice of mindfulness. Because with the practice of mindfulness, we can help uh, transform that for our mother, for our father, for our ancestors. Because uh, we are the continuation of our father, our mother, our ancestors. They are still in us with their happiness and their suffering, their, their talents and also their shortcomings. So that feeling may be 
a result of uh, some worry, some fear, some anger. By former generations, we have to accept them. We have to accept them. So you practice the breathing in, and you accept it. This is a feeling of heaviness in my chest. And that can be transformed by the practice of mindfulness, by the practice of love and understanding. And you are aware that you are breathing in for your mother, for your father, for your ancestors. And you know that um, the practice of smiling, uh, of uh, releasing, uh, of compassion can very well transform that kind of sorrow, that kind of anxiety, that kind of fear. And you do that out of love. You do that for your mother, for your brother, uh, your, your father, for your grandfather, your grandmother, and so on. Many of us feel a kind of suffering that we do not understand. We don't understand why we suffer like that. We have not created that suffering, why it is there. The only answer is that it has been transmitted to us by society, by ancestors. And we have to accept first. And accepting makes us easier. And then the next step is to breathe in and out mindfully and smile to it. And realize that uh, the practice of uh, mindfulness, concentration, and insight can help uh, uh, transform because uh, understanding and compassion. These are two kinds of energies that have the power to transform everything. It's like, it's like uh, the sunshine. The sunshine can melt the snow and dry and help dry the tears. So understanding suffering and compassion that we practice can help uh, transform the suffering of our father, our mother in us, our own suffering. And sometimes it it can done very quickly. Uh, Provided that you don't worry, you know that uh, it can be transformed. And after five minutes of breathing, uh, walking, uh, resting, you might feel that uh, it is gone. And the next time when it comes, we do the same. And if we continue like that, one day it will disappear. Uh, and will not come back. But we have to keep the practice. We need someone to remind us to practice. That is why it's wonderful to have uh, co-practitioners in, uh, in our neighborhood, in our family. Every time we feel that, 
we remember to practice. And if we do not remember to practice, someone else will tell us to go back to our in-breath, out-breath, and practice. Thank you for asking the question. It helps many people. Hmm. Now the Buddha is asking his question. He's 12 years. He's 12 years old. You sit on... Uh, teenagers are encouraged to come. But when he grew up, he had an experience of love and unity, and he became a monk. Now he has two spiritual sources. The first one is Jesus, and the other one is Tai. He has written some of your books, and he follows your teachings by internet, and he's very grateful for them. Probably he won't be able to come to Plum Village. May you say some words about this intervening between Catholic and Buddhist? Can you read again, please? Dear Thay, dear Sangha, we have a friend who is a Catholic monk. When he was a child, he didn't have any spiritual life. But when he grew up, he had an experience of love and unity, and he became a monk. Now he has two spiritual sources. The first one is Jesus, and the other one is Tai. He has read some of your books, and he follows your teachings on the internet, and he is very grateful for them. Probably he won't be able to come to Plum Village, so could Tai say some words about the interbeing between Catholicism and Buddhism? Well, uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday, we said something like uh, Buddhism is made of non-Buddhist elements. It's like a flower that is made of non-flower elements. And the Buddha has uh, used uh, only non-Buddhist elements to make his Buddhism. And he was aware of that so looking around, uh, you see many elements. And if you are a skillful person, you can make use of every element you see around in order to make your own Buddhism. So the same thing must be true with uh, Christianity. Christianity is made of uh, non-Christianity elements. And the teaching of interbeing is available in Christianity also. Uh, the teaching of uh, living happily in the present moment can be found in uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ. 
and when you read uh, uh, the Bible, you read a statement like this one. There will be a day when you will see that uh, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is from John. And this is the teaching of interbeing. I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. We are inside of each other and not outside. And like uh, in the um, in the gospel, uh, according to uh, Matthew, it is said that uh, let us not uh, worry about tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow will take care of itself. So that is the teaching of living happily in the present moment. So there are many uh, points that can uh, that can uh, be recognized, and there are many of us who practice. Uh, according to the teaching of Jesus and, and the Buddha, and do not find any uh, conflict. And that is very good for, for the cause of peace and unity and harmony in the world also. Here is another question by a teenager. But before that, the children may stand up and, and go out and play. We are very happy that children ask very beautiful questions today that help us adult also. Have a good day. Uh, be ready to do walking meditation with Thay to Sengha Temple. We shall have a picnic lunch down there. It seems that this week we're looking deeply into practicing different aspects of taking care of anger. And this is a teenager who asked, um, Dear Thay, have you ever been able to calm down and to help a person who is completely enraged and exploding in anger at you? I has been uh, able to uh, to deal uh, successfully with a number of people who get angry at Thay. Out of uh, jealousy and uh, wrong perceptions. And sometimes it takes uh, 
a lot of time for a person to calm down and to transform. Uh, these people uh, exist uh, in the clergy also, and in the in uh, ordinary society. And his way is um, very simple: not to respond, to uh, attack or insult. Never reply to insult or to attack, even to uh, to explain. A complete silence. He does not. Try, he he did not try, try to justify himself or do anything because doing so may may cause the other person to get. Angrier and so on. So uh, breathing in and out and accept and not to reply, not to react. And then they can, they can do better also because uh, a few days later or a few months later he can write a love letter to him or to her. And he has done that several times. And someone who betrayed you, who has caused you to suffer a lot, and to your community to suffer a lot. And yet you are able to write a nice letter to him, to her, to help him or her to suffer less. Sometimes it takes a time for that person to suffer less and to to stop uh, being angry. But uh, it always uh, brings effect. You know that uh, in Vietnam we had um, a very beautiful community practice center called Prasnya. There were about 400 young monastics living there and practicing. And they generated a lot of uh, energy of uh, harmony and uh, brotherhood and, uh, and love uh, and peace. And so many young, lay, lay young people come and practice with us. It is up in a mountain area, and yet uh, there were times when 5,000 young people came and participated in a retreat of five days or six days and got transformation. And uh, it, it was, it was um, quite a movement. People were very enthusiastic. But uh, in a country like Vietnam, that does not look safe for, for those who rule the country. They're afraid of uh, something that is too strong. They are afraid that they cannot control 
So there was an attempt to dismantle the practice center. And our young monks and nuns um, try to resist uh, with uh, compassion, non-violence, for more than one year and a half. And finally, we could no longer resist because they send violent people to our centers. They destroy, they burn, they attack. They cut the electricity, they cut the water. They shout, they insult. They organize hundreds of people to come and insult and to break and to destroy. And finally, uh, we had to to evacuate the place and went to a (coughs) temple uh, in the area to take refuge, but it still continued to press until we had to leave that place. Many of the young monks and nuns are now taking refuge in Thailand, Germany, France, America. And we were able to identify those who are who, 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 um, who, um, who, uh, who try to uh, destroy the place. And uh, they have sent words to them that uh, we don't hate them because uh, they may be um, they may have been victims of wrong perceptions that can give rise to fear and anger. And we have, and uh, disciples of Thai in Vietnam has um, sent books to, of Thai to them as a gift. Uh, it's possible to respond to violence and anger with uh, love. And that is the way we always uh, follow uh, to, uh, to respond, using compassion and understanding to respond to violence, misunderstanding, and so. During the time uh, they work, uh, organize uh, the School of Youth for Social Service. We train uh, hundreds of young people, dedicated young people, monastic and lay, to go to the countryside and organize uh, to help uh, victims of war and poor people to organize uh, in terms of uh, 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 health, um, <clears throat> education um, and um, economic uh, development and to improve the quality of life in the countryside. And many of us were suppressed 
Many of us were killed during service. Because uh, during the war, we did not want to join one of the warring parties. We want to accept both sides. We wanted reconciliation and peace rather than to continue the war. And that is why we are victims of the suppression by both sides. And we always respond with uh, compassion. After they have killed a number of us, we organize a funeral ceremony and we declare that we do not hate those who have killed us. Because we, we know that they are victims of wrong perceptions that give, has given rise to fear and suspicion. And we hope that they will look and understand us better. Our intention is not to harm them, only to help the people in the, in the country, victims of war, orphans, and poor people. And um, in the beginning, the suppression the violence continued. But uh, later on, these actions of suppression begin to decrease. There is an effect. And that we have, um, that, is, that is what we have experienced um, uh, in, the, in the decade that we, have, we practice uh, and serve in Vietnam. I think uh, the book uh, written by Sister Cheng Kong, Learning True Love, uh, told a number of stories like that. And you can, you can read uh, Learning True Love. Uh, and also in uh, Sister Cheng Kong wrote uh, an article in my, um, printed in my novel, Novice. And you can read uh, also uh, the book, uh, The Novice, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, to know a number of things like that. So uh, using um, compassion, understanding, to meet with violence and misunderstanding is a good practice that, uh, that can bring result if you are patient enough in the practice. And some of the people in the police came to our retreats in Thailand and even in Bangladesh to practice. That is a victory for both, for us and for them. speaking Spanish. Querido Tai, querida Sangha, eh, eh, hay veces que controlo mucho mi ira, la guardo dentro y después de repente exploto y la saco todo de repente sin saber por qué y sin poder controlarla en ese momento. Se explota de repente toda mi ira y hago mucho daño a la persona con la que exploto la ira y también me hago daño a mí misma y en el momento que exploto la ira no tengo compasión por otra persona porque no me doy cuenta y cuando, 
cuando ya estoy más relajada y cuando ya he explotado toda mi ira y la he dejado fuera, es cuando tengo compasión por la otra persona y me doy cuenta de que le he hecho sufrir, pero en ese momento ya el daño está hecho y no puedo hacer nada. ¿Y cómo podría J'essaie de contrôler ma, ma, ma colère, donc je la garde en moi, mais ça devient une boule, une boule qui après explose et que je ne peux pas contrôler. Donc d'abord je la contrôle, j'essaye, mais ça se convertit en une boule qui ensuite explose. Et après je vois qu'effectivement ça sort et je fais du mal à l'autre personne. Et elle aimerait savoir comment, comment pouvoir contrôler. Elle, elle sent aussi de la compassion pour l'autre parce qu'elle a fait du mal quand cette, voilà, quand cette boule a explosé. Elle sent de la compassion et de la douleur. Elle aimerait pouvoir contrôler ceci avant. Donc, dear Thay, our friend is saying that um, this is another question about anger. And uh, she feels a lot of anger come up sometimes and she doesn't want to let it come out. So actually she tries to keep it under control, she's pushing it down, but then at some point um, it explodes, it comes out, and uh, she can hurt the other person. And she feels sorry to hurt the other person, she feels compassion for the suffering that she caused them. And she wants to know how can she take better care of the situation. But uh, is she capable of seeing the suffering of the other person? Est-ce qu'elle est, est capable de voir la souffrance dans l'autre personne Et quand Après l'explosion ou avant Uh, suppressing is not good because it's always there. You pin it down, but it's still always there. So uh, suppressing is not good. We have to transform. And to transform, you need, uh, you need compassion. The only antidote for anger or violence is compassion. There is no other way. But how, how to fabricate compassion? How to generate the energy of compassion? That is uh, the real question. And in this retreat, we have learned that by recognizing the suffering, because suffering in that person is the cause of his action, or words that can make you suffer. The anger in him uh, water the anger in you. The violence in him water the violence in you. And that is why uh, <clears throat> to breathe in and out mindfully and to look to look to see that uh, the other person is victim of his own violence, his own suffering, his own misunderstanding, is very important. This is the teaching of Buddha. Look at suffering and understanding suffering. 
when you understand your own suffering, you can understand the suffering of the other person. Understanding suffering always brings compassion. And only compassion can transform anger and violence. Uh, there are those of us who, who think that uh, we, can, we can take the block of anger out of us, like uh, to do surgery. But you cannot do that with anger. You cannot take anger out of, of you. You can only transform it. Anger can be transformed within into something else. Anger can be transformed into understanding and compassion. And that is the work of the practitioner. Looking into the suffering, your own suffering, and the suffering of the other person, and try to understand the cause. And then that is uh, the way to, to generate the energy of compassion. And when compassion is there, it uh, transforms anger. You don't need to take it out. There are those who try to take it out. Uh, there are those who advise you to, um, to take it out by the practice of uh, so-called ventilation. Ventilation. It's like there's a smoke in your room, and you want to ventilate the smoke, you take it out. And the way is uh, to go to your room and lock your door, lock the door, and try to punch, to hit your pillow. To hit 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And they believe that, that by doing so, you may, you may take anger out of you. I am aware that anger is there. I want to take it out. Because uh, they think that it's safer to hit a pillow than to hit directly the other person. And they call it, uh, take it out of your system. But it does not work. It does not work. It might make your anger stronger. It is, uh, it is like uh, rehearsing the anger. And they call it uh, getting in touch with your anger. It's good to get in touch with your anger. The Buddha also advised us <clears throat> to breathe in, to go home, and to get in touch with your anger. And embrace it tenderly, and look deeply, into your anger. But in this practice of uh, uh, pounding the, 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 the pillow, you, you don't really get in touch with your anger. You are a victim of your anger. You are not getting in touch. You are not even in touch with the pillow. although you are hitting it. 
because if you you are real in touch, really in touch with your pillow, you know that this is only a pillow. <laughs> it's funny to hit a pillow. A pillow is innocent. <laughs> so if you cannot get in touch with the pillow, you cannot get in touch with your anger. And if you continue like that, maybe one day meeting him on the street, you might like to to hit directly and you get in jail. So this work does not seem to help you to, to get it out. So according to this practice, the practice uh, that the Buddha recommended, you have to come home and recognize anger and try to hold it with the energy of mindfulness, called mindfulness of anger. Mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. And when I drink my tea and become aware that I am here and now drinking my tea, that is mindfulness of drinking. And when I breathe mindfully, that's mindfulness of breathing. When I walk mindfully, that is mindfulness of walking. So when I come home to myself and recognize my anger and hold my anger, anger becomes the object of my mindfulness. It's called mindfulness of anger. There are two energies. First is the energy of anger. Then the second energy is the energy of mindfulness. And in order to have this energy, you have to practice breathing and walking mindfully. And with the second energy, you recognize the first energy and embrace it tenderly, not suppressing, but uh, embracing tenderly, like a mother embracing her her suffering uh, baby. And when the energy of mindfulness is embracing the energy of anger, you suffer less. It's like uh, when the sunshine embracing uh, the lotus flower. The lotus flower gets the warmth, the energy, in order to, to bloom. So when you use the energy of mindfulness in order to embrace your anger, you suffer less. You get a relief, you suffer less. And if you look more deeply, and if you can identify the cause of your anger, that may be a wrong perception, that may be your lack of capacity to see the suffering of the other person. And if you, you identify your wrong perception, or if you can see the suffering of the other person, suddenly that kind of understanding and vision make compassion arise. And when compassion arises, that is a kind of nectar that makes you suffer less right away. You get a relief and you can transform. And uh, this, uh, this, um, this practice always works. You know that in Plum Ridge, um, in the past, we used to, to, to sponsor groups of uh, Palestinians and uh, Israelis to come and practice. And uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding and anger and suspicion in each group. And uh, if they can stay for two weeks, 
and then transformation and healing can be possible. We practice uh, calming, um, releasing tension. We practice getting in touch with the wonders of life in order to nourish us. And we also practice uh, breathing in order to recognize our suspicion, our fear, our anger. And then we sit down and try to listen to each other and to tell the other group about our own suffering, our own fear, using the practice of the fourth mindfulness training, loving speech and deep listening. You can tell them everything in your heart your suffering, your fear, your anger. But you tell in such a way that the other person, the other group of person can understand you. Help them to understand. So during the time you, you speak, you do not condemn, you do not blame. You just try to help them to understand how much you suffer. You and your people and your children. And that is helping them to understand your suffering. And then it will be your turn to sit and listen to their suffering. They will tell you their suffering, their fear, their anger, their despair. And you have to listen. And during the time they speak, you may notice that they have a wrong perception on you. And you want to correct them. But uh, according to this practice, you should not correct them. Because if you correct them while they speak, you will transform the session into a debate. That's not the practice of deep listening. You say, oh, they say wrong things because they, they have not seen the truth. But I have the time to help them to correct their perceptions in a few days because they will be there for another week. So in a few days, we will have a chance to tell them, to give them the kind of information that can help them to correct the perception, but not now. Now I, we have to, to listen. Listen attentively because listening like this is called uh, compassionate listening. And if you know how to listen with compassion for one hour, they will suffer less. So we are practicing compassion. We are giving them a chance to suffer less. And that is the practice of the fourth mindfulness training. Listening with compassion in order to help other people to suffer less. You might do it with your husband, with your wife, with your son, with your daughter with your father and mother and listen so that uh, they have a chance to empty their heart. That is compassion. And after a week of uh, practice, we are able to remove many wrong perceptions. We increase our mutual understanding and the two groups can sit down can hold hand to uh, 
to do what I need to and to share a meal together. Brotherhood, sisterhood is born. So this is a, a very important practice. And uh, we believe that uh, politicians have to learn this practice. When they come to a peace a negotiation, they should follow the instructions of calming, releasing, recognizing suffering inside, recognizing the suffering in the other person. And if they spend one week or two weeks practicing like that, their negotiation for peace will be fruitful. And I think uh, in school of political science, students have to learn this kind of practice. And they don't need a Bud- to be a Buddhist in order to learn. And this is applied ethics that can be taught uh, in every kind of school, including elementary school. Because uh, children can learn the practice and reconcile with their brothers and sisters and reconcile with their parents and help their, even their parents. There are many retreats organized for young people, children, and the children are transformed when they are able to see the suffering in their father, in their mother. And they come home after the retreat and they listen to their father and mother and help them to suffer less. It's a miracle that always happens in our retreats. En fait, je me sens assez libre et euh, parfois je me demande si je manque pas d'autodiscipline. Et donc je voudrais savoir euh, comment faire la différence euh, entre les moments où je m'écoute vraiment et où je me respecte et les moments où je me laisse aller. I often feel that I, I have a lot of freedom but sometimes I wonder if I'm lacking self-discipline. So how do I know the difference between listening to myself and respecting myself versus um, just letting myself do anything I like without any, any kind of boundaries? So how do I find the balance between freedom and self-respect, but also appropriate action. Many of us uh, have the same kind of experiences. Sometimes we are doing very well. Uh, We practice the five mindfulness trainings perfectly. Sometimes not so perfectly. Um, I think uh, we should uh, we should not think uh, of the practice too much in terms of uh, discipline. 
because the practice can be pleasant, joyful, and you don't have to force ourselves to practice. It's like a walking meditation. You don't have to force yourself to walk slowly, uh, to make efforts. Because uh, the practice of walking meditation can be very pleasant. And every step can bring you joy, pleasure, peace, touching deeply life. And if we practice like that, if you keep practicing like that, it becomes a habit. And you want to practice. You don't want to impose the practice on, on us. Whether there is uh, alone or there is uh, with a group of people, he walks very much the same, the same way. Because it gave him pleasure. And he is... Um, is um, profiting um, from the, the the hours, the minutes, the days that he is giving him to live. He doesn't want to waste, gaspille uh, any moment. He wants to, to live each moment of his life uh, deeply. And these moments can be both nourishing and healing. Not only for him, but for his disciples, for his friends, and probably for his society. So you don't have to impose um, yourself uh, the practice. It's become a habit rather than a discipline. And then the second thing is that we need a Sangha. Because with the Sangha, with the practice Sangha, uh, we are reminded to go back to our practice. In the case, uh, we forget to enjoy. Because the practice is also the enjoyment. Very often, conditions of happiness are there. But we are not there. We don't know to, how to recognize them and to make good use of them in order to be happy right here and right now. We are seeking pleasure and happiness in the future. That is a waste. So in that case, if there is a brother, a sister around you who practice well, you are reminded to go back and seek pleasure and happiness and freedom right there and right here. And that is the practice of taking refuge in the Sangha. Every one of us, in order to maintain our practice, to support our practice, should try to set up a group of practitioners in our area so that we can take refuge, we can uh, uh, profit, from the group energy uh, in order to uh, advance on our path of practice.
Bonne chance. Bonne chance, ma chérie. <rire> Gentlemen. Thai, dear Sangha, our son has been with us in the summer opening of Plum Village for the last eight years. Since he was 11 years old, he's 19 now. He's very intelligent, creative, peaceful and loving. He is a child of the Sangha. Half a year ago, he had his first psychotic episode. After slow recovery from the traditional psychiatric treatment, we came for the 21-day retreat. He found himself again in the practice of mindfulness and was feeling secure and stable. Feeling his practice solid, he decided to drop the medicine and to look into his mind directly without hindrances. At a point, he was unable to control his mind and he slipped off into another episode. We were afraid for his safety and decided, with the help of the brothers, to take him to the hospital of Bergerac. Doctors say he has a bipolar disorder, but nobody really knows where it comes from and how to treat it differently than making him sleepy and dull with drugs. We feel very touched and painful. We don't trust much, neither in the team that is taking care of him, nor the way of oppressing his mind with drugs. We are searching for an alternative way of treating his problem, more loving and respectful with his spiritual growth. Can you help us to get some insight and understanding of the situation? I think we need more mindfulness. We need uh, to pay more attention because uh, mindfulness helps us to be there and to be uh, more concentrated and we have uh, a better chance to understand the cause of the illness. The cause might have come from very far away in time and in space. And with the Sangha, especially those who are close to us, we shall should look together in order to find out. Uh, we should be in a process of learning because we don't we have not understood, we have not known exactly what has been happening. So with the uh, members of the Sangha 
young and less young and with uh, uh, members of the medical courts we have to look together and try our best to understand and to uh, to be opened in order to uh, to look for better ways in order to deal with the situation Mm. The fact is that um, in our society, every one of us is uh, a little bit too busy. We are preoccupied with so many things. We do not have enough time to be with ourselves and to be with our beloved ones. And we may may underestimate uh, the situation. So let us, uh, as a Sangha, uh, become aware of that and uh, produce that collective energy of mindfulness and compassion to uh, help embrace him and send him that energy so that he can uh, recover quickly, more quickly. This morning, um, we... We also send energy to a monastic uh, member of the Apamlet who was hospitalized uh, in Bordeaux last night and went uh, through a surgery. And uh, during the time of chanting this morning, Thay and the Sangha uh, focus our attention and send uh, the collective need to him, who is now in the hospital. Um, hoping that uh, the collective energy of compassion and mindfulness and peace uh, can help uh, him uh, recover quickly from the accident. His name is... Uh, the music of the Dharma. He just came from Vietnam two days ago. Situation. We should accept the situation and try our best from there. And we shall do it as a Sangha. Hi, dear Sangha. How can I trust myself? Uh, trust is something that we uh, cultivate. We should cultivate. <clears throat> and it is based on our, uh, our experience. Trust is to believe, to rely on something. And uh, we have to rely only on uh, evidence 
something that is evident. Suppose you talk about trusting the, the practice, trusting the Dharma. Do we trust the Dharma? Do, do, can we count on our practice? Sometimes you have, uh, you have uh, doubt about your practice, about what you learn from the Dharma. But that doubt uh, does, does not mean that, uh, that uh, is not exactly something negative. Because some doubt can help you to get deeper and to get a more profound understanding. So doubt can be helpful. Doubt can be a positive thing. So if there is a doubt, we have to breathe and to recognize it as it is and do not uh, right away uh, consider it to be something negative. In the Zen tradition, uh, we say that the greater is the doubt, the greater is the enlightenment. And that is the first thing you have to, to do. And then we have to, uh, to learn how to recognize the evidence and to establish our trust. Like uh, the practice of mindful uh, breathing. Someone tried to convince to you that mindful breathing is good. It can help you a lot. But you don't, you don't have to believe him right away. You have to put into practice and to see whether it truly can help you. And that is what the Buddha has said. Don't believe right away in something, even that something has been said by a famous teacher. Even that something is written in the Holy Scripture. That's what the Buddha said. When you hear something, Beautiful, you have to learn to put into practice. And if it works for you, and if you see that it works for another person, uh, you can trust, you can believe in it. And that is the statement of the Buddha in a sutra called Kalama Sutra. The Buddha was talking to a group of young people of the Kalama uh, uh, clan. And they asked him, what to believe. Because uh, many teachers have visited them and all of them said that their teaching and the practice is the best. So the Buddha said that don't believe right away in anything, even if it is said by a great teacher, or even if it is recorded in the Holy Scripture. You have to base on evidence like a scientist. So if you practice mindful breathing and you persevere in a practice, you will learn from it. You will find out that the practice of mindful breathing can help increase your health, 
can uh, can uh, can help you um, recognize the conditions of happiness you have. Uh, can help you handle a painful emotion, a painful feeling. In beginning, you might not be able to do it right away, but you have to try really to practice. And you find out that uh, the, 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 the practice uh, works, and you have trust in the practice. And when you, pra- you have uh, trusted the practice, you trust yourself, because it's you who have uh, done the practice. And you say, I am capable of doing that. And when you see a person who suffers, uh, practice uh, the fourth uh, mindfulness training, say something, do something, to help him or her suffer less. And you try to do several times. And one day you see that it works. So you believe in the practice of fourth mindfulness training, and you believe in yourself. You can do it. You have the capacity to make one person suffer less. (coughs) You have the capacity to, to make you suffer less. And trust is built in that way experiencing, practicing. And we know that in principle, our ancestors have uh, handed down to us many good things, many good things. It is uh, for us to discover these good things and allow them to, to manifest the seeds of uh, understanding the seeds of uh, joy, the seeds of uh, forgiveness, the seeds of uh, compassion are all in us. And uh, we hear the Buddha say that we have these good things in us, but we have to practice in order to really recognize them as existing. And sometimes they have manifested in the past. And if we practice well, they will continue to manifest better in the future. And that is the way to cultivate trust. Dear friends, when you hear, um, there will be um, half an hour resting, having a cup of tea. And when you hear the bell, uh, we shall gather around the bell tower. And we will practice walking meditation to the temple down in the hill. And uh, today we have a chance to visit the exhibition of calligraphy and to have a picnic lunch down there. And we do walking meditation like a, a celebration of togetherness, celebrating life. And as we walk, we make the kingdom of God the pure land of the Buddha available to us in the here and the now. Thank you.